Hi, and welcome back to the Hot Air Podcast from Watchful. I'm Vic Drover, and I'm here with my colleague Steve Burge, as always. On today's pod, we're talking with Nicola Fleming. Nicola and I got to talking over email about her growing web agency, our shared involvement in the sport of rugby, and the winding paths of our careers. All this led to today's interview, and Steve, why don't you tell us all about it? Hey, Vic. Well, Nicola runs a one-person agency called Webcoast in Australia. And yeah, we originally started talking with her about upgrading her Watchful account. We got curious about how she successfully manages a large number of clients across Joomla and WordPress. It turns out her success is based on having a really clear knowledge of her target audience. And she's also developed detailed processes for building and maintaining all their sites. Yeah, it's a really great story. And for all those small agencies out there, if you're looking to scale up and then have a successful agency with, you know, over 100 sites, this is the pod for you. Let's jump in. Hey, Nicola, welcome to the Watchful Podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So, Nicola, I'm calling in from right by the nice warm beaches in Florida. I think you're somewhere similar, right? It's right up on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, which is on the east coast of Australia, about an hour's north of Brisbane. So you're in the winter now, but it's still nice and warm and you're still close to the beach and things are good? Yeah, we've got about 28 degrees every day at the moment. It's perfect time of year. Oh, so 28 Celsius. Um, Celsius. I don't know what that is Fahrenheit. It's warm. Pleasant. <laughs> it's nice and warm. It's just below freezing in Fahrenheit. Yeah. So definitely, if it's nice, it's in Celsius. So, Nicola, I'm not the best at accents, but you don't sound entirely Australian originally. No, I'm actually from New Zealand and moved over to Australia in 2005. So we've been in Australia for 15 years now. It's gone really quickly. Yeah, I'm almost identical. I moved to the United States 15 years ago, and it's gone in a blink of an eye, to be honest. Yeah, yeah same here. We're all we're all expats. I'm from Canada to the US. Uh, Nicola, so I know there's quite a rivalry between Australia and New Zealand. Your New Zealand friends, uh, or your Australian friends, tease you about being a New Zealander still? Of course, yeah. <laughs> Wherever I go, I get <laughs> teased. Either I'm in Australia, they're about your Kiwi accent, and if I go back to New Zealand, it's vice versa. So yeah. <laughs> just learn to accept it, along with sheep jokes and comments about the rugby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you're, you're still winning all the time. You get the better side of it, right? Yeah, well, not last, uh, not in the World Cup, but we won't go there. Yeah, a little short in the World Cup. We just watched that match the other day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool, so Nicola, you are a a web agency owner now, but did you do something else? Did you have a, a computer science background? Were you a web designer from an early age? How did you get into this? Well, I was a, I did a um, business computing, so that was my studies. And then from there, I started working for the global corporation NEC as a software engineer working on the um, – software for their telephone exchanges. So back then it was the introduction of, of services like call waiting or call diversion or call queuing and all of those things are software based. So we were coding those 
services and introducing them into the exchanges. So, And then there was the maintenance of the existing software and making sure that all the interactions and all of the new types of telephony going from analogue to digital and ISDN and all of that. So, yeah. Oh, this must have been an interesting time when... I guess cell phones were just starting to come in maybe for the first time and there was a lot of changes going on in the telephone world? That's right, yeah. The cell phones were little bricks, in-block sending instead of sending every digit. You know, a mobile phone will send it all at once, so that's a whole different type of signalling. So, yeah, there was there was lots to learn. Um, towards the end of the, the 14 years that I was a software engineer, um, the web was being introduced and they sent me on an HTML course. So when we moved from New Zealand to Australia, that's really what I fell back on because coding for telephone exchanges on the Sunshine Coast wasn't a skill that I was going to need. So I thought, well, what out of that can I actually utilise? And yeah, that HTML and coding websites was what I started to do. So you were a... I guess a really a pretty high level software engineer the the skills needed to write code for a telephone exchange not trivial I mean you write the wrong code you can probably bring down the um, the telephone systems in in quite a few parts of New Zealand so you're obviously a pretty high level coder how did you get started with Joomla how did you get started with websites well I had done the HTML course and originally we were just doing static HTML sites so after a few years, I recognised that there was something else, that uh, content management systems were a thing. And so I went and I did a night course for a few months. And that night course, I did some research at the time and decided that Joomla was the one that I was interested in pursuing over WordPress at that stage. Uh, I went and did a night course and it just started from there, started building Joomla sites as the choice of content management. What was the name of the night course? It wasn't focused specifically on Joomla, was it? Or, I mean, maybe it was. It was. Yeah, it, was it was Joomla, how to build a site in Joomla or something like that. Yeah. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I guess Joomla's uh, precursor, Mambo, is Australian, right? I believe so, yeah. I've, I've no, met uh, so That wouldn't have been too far away from you, I guess, at that time, so. Yeah. Makes sense, maybe, that we had courses. I don't think we had courses like, have you ever heard of courses like that, Steve? Uh, Joomla night courses? I, that's that's a new one on me, but it makes sense, of course, back, what, 15 years ago? Yeah. Well, we've done um, some Joomla books and some Joomla training that have been used by night schools. But my first experience of Joomla was in Sydney. I was living in Sydney doing a, a master's degree. Uh, this must have been 2003, 2004, 2005. And there was a lot of Joomla around at that point in Australia. I remember seeing a couple of books and some classes, and it was starting to explode in popularity around that time. And Australia got me hooked on Joomla. So Nicola, how did you, I mean, you started, you did this night course, and then you just built some sites for some friends, or you opened an office and started advertising. How did you start your business and get your first few clients? The business already existed when I was doing the night course, so... The business existed and we were doing, I was doing HTML, purely HTML first, and then I upskilled and we introduced the Joomla, or the CMS then. So one of the reasons I was curious to 
talk with you is that you are a single person agency and you are running over a hundred different client websites at the moment? That's right. Yeah. How do you do it? You must have some crazily good and efficient processes because from the sounds of it, it's not just maintenance services that you're providing. You actually will build the site for the customer and then hopefully enroll them in your maintenance packages afterwards. How do you manage so many customers, keep them happy, build sites for them, just being a single person? It might have something to do with the type of client that is our is my niche. It's small to medium businesses is where our niche seems to be. And I think that means that if maybe if it was a large corporation, then they would have a lot more updates and things to be done. Even though they're a content management site, what I'm finding is that my clients, because they're small business, they're too busy working in their or at their business in the day-to-day thing to, to be doing their own update. So I find that they often come back to me because it's been a few months and they, they use the system not frequently enough to be overly familiar with it and therefore they think, oh, it'll be quicker just to get Nicola to do it. It'll take a half an hour. And so that's how it goes. That's sort of how it's evolved. Even though there are a portion of clients who use their own sites regularly and uh, putting blogs up and doing all their own content. Most of them, even though they say and they think that they want a, a website that they can edit themselves, when a push comes to shove, they're happy to just pass it over and say, oh, you do it. So you have a very clearly defined target audience. If I go to your website, which if people want to follow along is webcoast.com.au, I go to the site and you have very clearly defined sectors, medical, farming and agriculture, food and hospitality, with portfolio examples. You've really thought this through carefully. These are the audiences I'm targeting. These are the kinds of customers that will work well with my system. Here's example sites that I've built before. Is that probably the key to this, that you have thought through these steps so carefully? Well, the reason why I created the portfolios on my website like that was for the customer that was browsing to try and show them, look, these are sites that I've done in your field to make it easier for them to whittle through ones that maybe, they, if they're a plumber, they're not going to want to have a site that's all pretty and wedding-ish. So trying to categorise it and make it easy for them because most of my clients are business owners, so they're mostly middle-aged, which means they're not really technically savvy. And they all say that right from the start, which is why I rewrote my website with a real emphasis on jargon-free, non-technical aspect, because a lot of people just their eyes glaze over and they don't know what I'm talking about, even that high-level like domain hosting, you know, the the three parts to a website. So if you can simplify things and make it really easy for them, I've found that you're more likely to get the work. So that's the reason I've done that. You mentioned earlier you, you're doing both Joomla websites and WordPress websites. Are there any other platforms you're using? No, that's enough to keep me busy. At the <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you decide which one to use? I mean, are customers asking for them by name or you're making the choice? And uh, if you're making the choice, how, what's the decision process? A lot of customers do say, 
I want a WordPress site. But part of it is that personally, I find that there are more themes for WordPress sites and that allows me to streamline my process. And it also allows me to give the customer a a better gauge on what they can expect their site to look at because of the demos that are available. So with Joomla, I find that there's less templates or there's less templates specific to what their industry might be. So in terms of a demo template, so I can uh, show them half a dozen themes that are electrical-based and they can have an idea of what their content would look like if it was slotted into a demo theme. So WordPress seems to have taken, you know, uh, leaped ahead of Joomla in that respect and that there's more themes available. Yeah, we found that very much at Joomla Shack that when we took over a few years ago, the templates were fairly generic. Like this is a clean design, this is a modern design, and a lot of our customers weren't experienced enough or tech-savvy enough to kind of do the abstract thinking to say this this vaguely clean design could be repurposed with a plumbing logo. There was too many steps and they weren't familiar enough with websites to do that. So we had to redesign our templates to say, this is a sports template. This is a medical template. And we had more success by being very specific and showing them almost exactly what the end result would look like. Exactly. Yeah. So you're running a business which not only builds websites, but also does the maintenance services as well. Without asking you to put a, a dollar figure on it, how does the the revenue work out there? Are you making most of your money from the ongoing services, from the customers you've had for several years, or from the initial site build? Well, initially, the site build is a... Um a lumps, you know, an, an injection of fund, and but it's there's not a great deal of money in the build in terms of an hourly rate because of the amount of effort that goes into the build. The better hourly rate is when you're doing the hosting and the rollover maintenance every year. So it's a sacrifice you're willing to forego a, a proper hourly rate to get the build to deliver the product and then hopefully maintain the relationship so you get the rollover income and the maintenance, which is a better hourly rate moving on. But an interesting fact, though, um, is that since I introduced the Easy Pay, which is better for me and better for the client, Easy Pay is just lump summing it into a smaller amount every month so they can pay the development of the site off over six months instead of having to pay half up front and half on go live. So it's an incentive for them and it's a good option for a startup business because they don't often have much cash. So it helps me to convert the quote to an actual project and it helps my cash flow because it's more even and it helps them. So it's been really successful, the easy pay. Oh, so you basically will lock them into a a monthly agreement for six months or so, so they can pay off the initial build. And then the vast majority of them will probably jump into becoming maintenance customers. Yeah, but I don't charge a maintenance. It's not a formal contract. I just do maintenance on an as-required basis. So they're not paying a monthly maintenance fee. They only pay when actual work gets done, which is, and I do the maintenance on a scheduled basis, unless there's critical updates and stuff, then I'll jump in and I'll do it on on it. So this week, for example, we had a couple of Joomla updates to the core. 
So would you wait two or three days, then jump into the Watchful dashboard and run 100 plus updates? Or how would you approach a big set of updates like that? Yeah, so it would be a matter of using Watchful, which I use now. Well, I need to. It was taking me days and days to do them manually when you've got 100 clients and you have to, before I was using Watchful, have to log in and run the backup to make sure it's had a backup done and then apply the software updates. It was taking many days to get through 100 clients. So, yeah, using Watchful, they can all be already backed up or you can run another backup just to be sure and then just step through and apply the update. So it's fabulous. Saves me a lot of time. We love to hear you saving time and saving money, of course. But I wonder how do you then, if you don't have a monthly billing plan that's auto-billed to your customers, uh, when you do a bulk update of a, say, say you do 25 sites, you know, you take your, I don't know how you segment them when you do your maintenance, but a lot of people might say, these are my brochure sites. They're probably going to be fine from experience. I'll update them first. So say you update 25 brochure sites in bulk, how do you parse that up and bill for it? So my billing is done manually. So I use zero platform and I would just go in and invoice them. Some are on a plan where they get two software upgrades a year included with the hosting, So, but later clients aren't. So it's just a bit of a, a difference, but you know, it takes 30 seconds or whatever to create the invoice and sure, sure. zero. Yeah. Okay, so you just do it individually based on whichever one's got updated. Yep, yep. Do you have any tips for an agency owner that's looking to add some processes and add some maintenance services to their repertoire? Are there things that you do that make your life easier, that save you time when it comes to dealing with 100 different clients with 100 different sites? Yeah, I think don't try and be a specialist at everything. I think it's really important to keep to your core services and your niche market and do that well, which is why I don't do e-commerce anymore because it's too, I stick to brochure sites. There's too much involved. There's too much that people haven't considered when they come to be to have a site built. They haven't considered shipping. And when they do consider shipping, they if you say to them, you need to get me the weight and the dimensions and of every product they just go into a spin and then let alone that side of it there's a whole lot of specially specialty um things when involved with shopping carts like ssl your compliance your your storage of their data all of that stuff which you've got to be really careful of and i think by using third-party providers like I do have a few sites that have shopping carts like Equid or like Shopify where that's all hosted all of that information and those processes are hosted by that platform and therefore they take over the compliance of those services themselves that takes a lot of of the pressure off needing to be a specialist in that area same as um, e-newsletters once upon a time I was using e-newsletter components that were on the web server and sent the emails from the web server, which is fine if you've only got an e-newsletter list of 10 people. But if you've got hundreds, then you start, the web server's going to start only sending them in small increments and you're better off to use MailChimp for the same reasons, the privacy, the the sending of 
large emails. They've got great templates and all of that sort of stuff or, or something else, not just MailChimp. And, yeah, so just concentrate on the core stuff and don't get too bogged down in all the extra things like don't try and be an SEO expert or a digital marketer expert as well as a developer. Or maybe you can if you don't have more than 100 clients, but I don't have time in my day. You know what's fascinating <laughs> is that um, and you've been while you've been talking, you've enumerated a, a long list of things that you don't do. We often talk with quite a lot of agencies that say, we do everything. You come in the door, we will provide whatever services you do. And particularly for bigger agencies, I know some people that run agencies with 70, 80, 100, 200 people, and they are chasing any business that comes in the door. They basically mm. want to be a one-stop shop for customers, so customers are not tempted to go anywhere else. Whereas talking with you, you've told us, you don't do big or more complicated businesses. You don't do shopping carts. You don't do e-newsletters. You don't do uh, email hosting, I think you mentioned. You have a, a very clearly defined list of exactly what it is you do and you don't do. Is that one of the key things that has helped you grow over the years? To say that I don't do it doesn't mean that I can't give the client somebody that can help them with that. Like... I have formed close partnerships with colleagues who do provide those services. So in terms of when a client comes to me, say, well, I can set you up with the email hosting. I'll pass you on to whoever it is. Let's get your website built and live. And should it need more comprehensive SEO, then I'll pass you off to whoever that is for SEO. So I think it's important to build a, a partnership with colleagues that complement your services and feed each other work and grow like that because yeah, trying to do everything yourself is, I don't think it would be very successful when there's this number of clients. You've also mentioned uh, some tools that, that have been helpful. Sounds like you're a watchful user, of course. That's how uh, we got to talking originally. Zero uh, for your invoicing, easy pay, either that's a workflow or a, or a service that you use. Are there other tools that help you stay efficient and, and cost-effective when you're providing your services? Probably just tools that I've created myself, like workflow documents, checklists, particularly with development. There's three pages of things when I'm developing or building a site that I literally check off and date that the task has been performed so that no step is missed, like... If you're building a new site, that redirecting all the old URLs is, is an item on the checklist to make sure that it's not missed. And even though there's only me doing it, when you've got three or four or five projects all on the go at once, it's you need some sort of way of being able to track where you're at at this one, you know, because you might jump from one to the other during the day or one day to the next. Oh, okay. I'm starting to understand how you manage all this now. You have a very engineering mindset when it comes to to getting these projects done everything is is planned and a process is in place so that you can efficiently serve these clients yeah i suppose <laughs> <laughs> i don't really think of myself as an engineering mind it's you know but i i guess as an outside person looking in i, I suppose i am so yeah. i don't know you, i've run into so many people that are disorganized these days that are basically their organization is entirely in between their ears. 
and nothing ever gets written down, nothing ever gets put on paper that um, when you see someone where everything is documented and planned carefully, it's, uh, it's easy to spot. Okay, Nicholas, so we've heard all about your past and uh, how you got to where you are. Uh, where you're going? How do you get to your 250 sites? How do you, you know, scale up again? Is that your plan, or you're gonna kind of hover where you are? What's uh, what's the future holding, and how are you going to get there? I'm not sure what the future holds in terms of big goals. I probably like to just continue the similar to what my exit my current path some more clients there's always a natural ebb and flow of ones that drop off and ones that don't I'm not sure what what this uh, coronavirus how that's going to impact so a lot of my, the clients that I've got you know whether they'll be able to recuperate from this but yeah it's just continue to monitor what's happening out there in terms of will websites exist in 10 years you know will it have moved to some other platform that we haven't even considered because it's not existing yet much like before websites were invented, you know, who knows what the future is going to hold and on what kind of platform that will be. Yeah, I know that a few years ago, you know, I felt like there was this push from the social media companies, Facebook in particular, to say, oh, why do you need a website? I mean, you can just have a, a page, a fan page, you know, and they, they build a lot of tools around, you know, engagement of visitors and that sort of thing. So, for a while, I was wondering if we were, if websites were just going to become Facebook pages, essentially. That doesn't seem to have happened. Maybe because there was not enough customization available. There are still fan pages. Most companies have a fan, you know, a page like that, really. But it's more just an advertisement. It's not that kind of truly functional website. For all the functions that, that Facebook has, just to pick them out, it's not enough for something that's not provided companies still want and need and build websites. So I wonder if we're going to go through, you know, whatever that next, you know, iteration is, we'll be, we will be worried and then we'll go, oh no, there's something about kind of your standalone place on the web that we can't replace. I don't know. I agree with that comment about Facebook. There was a, a bit of a shift where I think people were thinking, oh, do I even need a website? I can just have a Facebook page. And very similarly with Wix and Squarespace, a lot of people sort of went that way and tried to do it themselves and then have sort of drifted back. Oh, I've got a Wix website, but I need one that's more professional or it's not ranking well or it just doesn't look well how I want it to look. So yeah, there's sort of ebbs and flows all the time of people trying to try different things and and that's fine that's just the way it is it's been interesting to see some of the local businesses around here during the corona time a lot of them will have a a static website probably similar to the ones you're building nicola maybe five ten pages a brochure website and they will have a banner there saying click here to go to our facebook page for our updates so they appreciate having the the business website as a like a business card as a calling card that can get ranked in google can appear on google maps and so on because facebook pages don't have any of those advantages but they also find facebook much easier to update so for a lot of the businesses a lot of the local charities and nonprofits around here they do still have a website but the news about what's happening with the coronavirus and their situation at the moment always seems to get posted on facebook it's easier for them to update than their website is. Yeah, that's right. I think maybe if Joomla had a uh, better uh, page builder style of like what WordPress has got a number of them, 
that might get around that problem. I've tried Quicks, but on one site, but and that was pretty good. But at that stage, Quicks wasn't even in the article, so I think it's improved since then. But it, it is one of the things that I notice between the two is that from a user's point of view, I can see why they think that WordPress is easier to use, even though I prefer Joomla and I'm used to it and it's what my site is built in. Yeah, I can see from a user's point of view, given that my core market is tech unsavvy and the, you know it's, it's a natural assumption for them to just want to go to one place to be able to update their content rather than modules and articles. And yeah, it's interesting. Both in Joomla and WordPress, page builders essentially are the top, you know, plugins, extensions that people are using for that reason. You know, they're quick, out of the box, highly customizable. Yeah, I mean, that's, and Joomla, uh, WordPress itself is going to that with Gutenberg. So full site editing with Gutenberg and the block editor. So that's that's going to be popular for a long time, my guess. Cool. So, Nick, it's been fascinating to talk with you, and I wish you all the best with WebCoast over the next couple of years. Where can people keep in touch with you, find out what you and WebCoast are up to? Uh, well, webcoast.com.au is my website, and in the footer, it's got all the links to my various social media, so rather than rattling them all off, but you will find me on Facebook and Instagram and yeah, LinkedIn, so yeah, my website will be the easiest place to find me. So you're not just using it as a, you're not using Facebook instead? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> cool. Nicola, thank you so much. Welcome. Pleasure. Thanks, Nicola. Take care.